Hey folks, Andy Patton here, joined by special guest Gonzaga graduate and college basketball writer Tuck Clary. Tuck and I are going to talk about the WC's prolific non-conference performance, what it means for the Zags, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, ready to take you through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash NCAA for special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. I also want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day or those of you who check the show out on YouTube. I really, really appreciate it. You can hit that subscribe button on youtube.com, search Locked on Zags, hit subscribe, trying to get up to 250 subscribers before the next time Gonzaga plays a game, which is still up in the air. That's one of multiple topics I want to discuss with today's guest, Tuck. Tuck, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I've really appreciated getting a chance to interact with you on Twitter and see all of your takes about Gonzaga and the WCC, so I'm glad we get a chance to talk here. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Andy. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Great. I wish we had more games to talk about. I think that would be uh, that would be a fun thing to like maybe preview a Gonzaga San Francisco game, which would have been a super super fun game. Not that Gonzaga Lo- or excuse me San Francisco Loyola Chicago is not going to be super fun. I'm glad that Todd Golden and the Dons f- found another game to to play, but it is a bummer that Gonzaga has missed so many games and the WCC has uh, has really struggled to get their games in to start the season. Yeah, it's been a it's been a complete journey for us, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I I don't envy the task of uh, putting out great no. content every day like <laughs> you're doing. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping, if not for all of us, for you specifically. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I know that you've done a. I don't know how frequently you do the power rankings for the WCC, but hard to imagine that they're changing too much uh, these days over at Busting Brackets. But I did want to talk to you about another thing that you have been doing uh, with a couple other people. I know Kyle Sessions has been involved, Josh Linke, uh, in doing these Twitter spaces. And Twitter spaces is something that kind of seemed to blow up uh, really significantly just in the last few months. Uh, I know the Oregon Ducks uh, coaching search had like a huge part to do with that. But uh, I've been at a few of these these Twitter spaces. For those of you who have not checked them out, um, you can follow Tuck on Twitter at Tuck Clary. Uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at ScoreZagScore, but you'll see the Twitter spaces after the games, most likely. Uh, really fun spaces to kind of hang out with other Gonzaga fans. I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about that and say how they've been going, because I think they're really cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, basically, it was an idea that organically happened between uh, Kyle Sessions and I, uh, and then we brought it up uh, to the guys at Zagaholic, and mm-hmm. Josh Linke and Austin King were actually thinking about doing this uh, whole endeavor already, so we decided to jo- join forces, and it's turned into a really fun thing, and I think my favorite part is definitely like getting to hear from the Zag community and mm-hmm. get their hot takes. Mm-hmm. I'm always here for spicy takes, and, and they definitely come, you know, after 8 o'clock Pacific time <laughs> on, a, on a Thursday night. Yeah, I can imagine so. I I've, uh, haven't been able to speak at them too often just because I usually record after the games, but certainly uh, I'll definitely try to make it in for some Saturday games since I don't record on Saturday nights. And uh, 
be a, have an opportunity to chat there, but definitely check them out. If you're on Twitter and you haven't gone to them, uh, they usually pop up on your home feed, but you can follow Tuck or Kyle on Twitter and they'll post links to them there as well. Before we, <laughs> I want to talk about the WCC because I know that's the kind of the area of expertise, but I also want to talk about the Zags a little bit. We haven't been able to see them for a long time. I think it's kind of given some fans an opportunity to kind of step back and reflect a little bit. The non-conference slate is over instead of there being just a few days gap between this end of the non-conference slate and the start of the conference slate. There has been now a multiple week gap, which is not great, but it has given us the chance to kind of Look at where this team is at. Obviously, two losses is something that <laughs> the last couple of years, Gonzaga fans are not used to having two losses going into conference play. They're not used to having two losses at all, quite frankly. But when you look at the schedule that this team played and the way that a lot of these games went, sure, they had some close games against teams that you would hope they would not have close games against, most notably Tarleton State, but they also have some ridiculous wins. You know, beat, uh, blew the doors off UCLA, beat Texas handily, handled Texas Tech in one of their most recent games. Uh, you've been doing a lot of vibe checks on Twitter. That's been one of the things I've been seeing. So I'm curious if you can give us a little bit of a vibe check or at least just a uh, kind of analysis of where Gonzaga is at, uh, obviously heading into conference play, which will hopefully start on Saturday. Yeah, I appreciate the vibe guys plug. I, I'm unfortunately going through a bit of a cycle where uh, about 70% of the teams on the vibe check meter are losing. Yeah. Um, but we're going to fix those vibes, you know, Providence, get it together. Uh, Kentucky, let's, let's get, to, get going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the vibes are going to be tough for a while just considering how long it's getting to, going to be to get guys back into shape. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a few players have already posted on social media how they have COVID or deal mm-hmm. with COVID. So that's that's definitely not great. But then again, you got yesterday's uh, Dominic Harris video drilled yep. three. So that helps a little bit with the vibes. Mm-hmm. Those are completely back, but they're on the right trajectory. <laughs> I think overall for a season, you know, uh, we all discounted the absences of Joel I.I.E. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I think ultimately this is about as, as great as you could expect for a group of really young players. I've been blown away by some of the freshmen. I've been really impressed by, you know, the big step that uh, Julian Strother has made. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, considering that we, t- we saw a Gonzaga team lose to uh, a Duke team that's in the top three and an Alabama team that just shot lights out. I, I don't know what more you can hope for mm-hmm. in this early stretch. You know, playing quad one and quad four teams and pretty much exclusively kind of hard to bounce in between those two types of matchups. But, you know, I think a a tough, grueling WCC schedule is going to help them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's going to help the teams that they play. Um, I think ultimately this is for sure, barring some sort of cataclysmic event, you know, a top four team easily, a team that's going to be the one seed in the West, Mm -hmm. unless, you know, something comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and well, unless Tommy Lloyd comes out of nowhere, that's the that's the the big primary competitor right there. But yeah, I think uh, the the thing I'm really curious to see is this is the first time in a while that Gonzaga, really in a, a very long while, that Gonzaga gets to head into conference play knowing that they they don't have the ability to sleepwalk through it. I don't think Gonzaga has frequently slept walk through conference play. Mark Few has certainly never advocated for that in any capacity, but. 
they've had the ability where they could have, and they would have been fine. Last year, they they kind of could have. There were some decent teams in the WCC, but Gonzaga was loads ahead of the rest of the teams. And this year, they're not going to have the ability to do that. And there's a lot of people who I would imagine will think that that will help this team come March. Uh, certainly, that's, there's a strong ag- argument for that. If nothing else, the fact that they're probably going to play three games a week, basically every week until March, because they got to get all these games in. There's a there's an argument that that's actually going to be a hindrance, but I think it's probably going to help them stay a little bit fresher, uh, kind of stay mentally sharp, and, and hopefully allow Mark Few to uh, be forced to play some of the guys who are maybe outside the rotation right now, because if you got... You know, Portland on Tuesday, Pacific on Thursday, and St. Mary's on Saturday. I really hope that Drew Timmy doesn't play 78 minutes between those first two games. I really hope that they get an opportunity to get some of those, you know, the Ben Greggs and the Caden Perrys of the world some more minutes so that we can see, uh, you know, Drew Timmy play a longer game in the big game and, and things like that. But I'm curious what you're kind of hoping to see. Obviously, Dominic Harris is a is an easy answer because he looks like he might be coming back soon. But are there anything else you're going to be kind of watching? for for this team to do heading into conference play whether it's you know rotational differences or you know differences on offense or defense that we might see them try to implement as they get into conference play yeah I think a big thing for sure is you know it's time to take advantage of that incredible depth that this yeah. team has um I, I think the number one thing as a uh, uh fervent Nolan Hickman believer mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm excited to see Nolan maybe potentially get some more minutes. Yeah. Um, he's already, you know, 20, 20, 22 minutes on average. Isn't too bad. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, I, I, I think ultimately it's going to be a big, big thing for Nolan to get major minutes in yep. conference play. And I think that ultimately getting him out there, getting him in a higher usage situation. He's a role player right now. Uh, Ken Palm has him down towards, you know, a, a role player at this mm-hmm. point. But if we get if we get Nolan more minutes and let Andrew rest up, I think that's mm-hmm. going to be huge for this team. And I think ultimately it's going to be considering you know how Corey Kisper didn't have his best March Madness uh, for for his standards. Yep. I think getting those major seniors and those major players some rest mm-hmm. is going to pay dividends, and it's going to absolutely show up in the box for against some of these teams that don't have the luxury of Gonzaga's depth. Yeah, absolutely. I think if uh, I, I don't want to be a spoiler here, and I hope that there are not any more cancellations. But if we have a slow week again this week where I'm running out of content ideas, I can tell you right now there's probably going to be an Nolan Hickman episode coming out where I just want to talk about him for 30 straight minutes because Let's he's played he <laughs> has played so well and he is so poised and so calm and so efficient. Uh, as a, an offensive player, he's a good defensive player. The outside shot has not showed up a hundred as consistently as I think he's capable of being, but it's pretty clearly there. Uh, just from the eye test, it looks like he's a very capable outside shooter. The ones that he misses, I feel like look like they were going to go in. Uh, and I think he's he's probably going to be be a guy who settles in as a better three point shooter in the conference slate than he is non conference. And that change alone is just going to make him such a, a weapon on both ends of the floor. And I'm excited to see, like you said, I think the Corey Kispert example has been used frequently. And I know that it's, it's almost unfair to pin it all on him because he's not the only senior who has struggled in the, in the NCAA tournament because of rest. But, but it was, I think as somebody who doesn't criticize Mark Few's decisions all that often, because they rarely merit criticism. This was one where it was like, there was opportunities, especially with you look at how good Julian Strother is this year. Like Julian clearly 
could have played more minutes last year. And I don't think it's like, it wouldn't be horrible that he didn't, except for the fact that Corey struggled so much in the NCAA tournament. That to me kind of makes it seem like, well, why didn't Julian play nine minutes per game instead of whatever he did play, like four or five? Like just if, and I don't know, there's not, there's no way to prove that a few more minutes per game in February against Portland would have made Corey Kispert better against Baylor. I don't know that you can ever prove that, but there's, there's reason to believe that that is, that is a strategy that they should take this year with Andrew Nempart, especially with how, and I hope Nick, Nolan Hickman, we'll try that again, is playing more than Julian Strother did last year, obviously, but there's still plenty of reason to to play him even more as the conference slate goes on. And, and yeah, and I don't think it's simply just like resting Andrew, too. I think yep. Nolan legitimately could be one of the best three-point shooters on the team. Yep. I think he's already one of the best off-the-dribble players on the team. He could be an offense initiator that's going to be huge in the tournament, and, and getting that guy plugged in and, and finding ways to use him rather than have him be the off off ball guard mm-hmm. ready to be a security blanket would be huge for this team. Absolutely. All right, Tuck and I are going to come back in the second segment. We're going to switch away from Gonzaga, talk more about the rest of the WCC and how great of a non-conference slate they have had. Before we get there, though, we got to talk about today's sponsor, Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, plain and simple. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Bill Bar has nine delicious flavors, including some all-time favorites like raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut, and my personal favorite, salted caramel. Of course, Bill Bar is not only great tasting, they are healthy too. Most Bill Bar flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Go to BillBar.com now and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's BillBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. Hey Zags fans, Andy Patton here with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, GetUpside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents per every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That is up to 50 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, to PayPal, or use an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just get, download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. All right, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still talking with Tuck Perry, the writer at Slippers Still Fits and Busting Brackets, talking all things WCC here in the second segment. Tuck, I know that you've been covering the WCC since before the season started. I remember that you wrote preseason power rankings. I'm sure that you were pretty optimistic about this conference, perhaps more optimistic than other people, many other people about this conference. But I got to ask, it's January 4th, January 5th, by the time most people are listening to this, did you think that there would reasonably be four teams in, and basically every bracketology that comes out these days has four or at least three WCC teams in the NCAA tournament? Is that something you thought was realistic before the season started? Uh, Not only did I think it was realistic, I uh, 
somehow talked myself into five teams. Ooh, for a bit, and then, <laughs> spicy. Uh, Eli Scott and company and Loyola sort of, kind yeah. of, you know, turned to face a little bit, going through a little bit of uh, growing struggles with the, with the new platoon. But, yeah. Yeah, I think four teams is, is a, was a legitimate goal, and mm-hmm. I am very intrigued as this conference play goes on mm-hmm. to see if that's actually a viable thing. Yeah. Um, you know, injuries throughout the throughout the conference, and then some guys uh, taking a leave has kind of made, given a little bit of uncertainty. If you looked like throughout Ken Ken Palm to start the season, uh, we had about uh, I want to say uh, the WCC was right right below the American in mm-hmm. terms of uh, uh, strength of conference numbers, and then it's kind of dipped a little bit. Mountain West caught up to us, yeah. but uh, I think I think we're going to see you know some. Some quality basketball, I think for sure. At least three teams get in, but mm-hmm. I'm I, I really am intrigued by how teams respond to like Santa Clara's been, you know, off and on on pauses. Jo- Joseph Bronkish has yeah. gone through a ringer with mononucleosis yeah. and everything else, and then we got BYU who lost their two key big men mm-hmm. and basically putting Caleb Loner, who's a, a great power forward. He's, yeah. he's superb. Honestly, he's probably a great small forward, but playing as power forward. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, getting him into the five is going to be a, a tough task, as yep. we've already seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm interested. I mean, I think for the WCC, you know, everybody talks. Uh, Gonzaga, obviously, has always been the team. And then BYU and St. Mary's have, have always been there. And and San Francisco is kind of the new team that's kind of been added to this conversation. And, and I think, obviously, a school that has a, a rich history of basketball, but it dates back well before most the vast majority of people listening to this were even alive. Uh, obviously, they were really good in the 50s, 60s, disbanded their program in the 80s, uh, haven't been back to the NCAA tournament since then. And, and it's great to see them succeeding. And I think for me... Uh, I knew that they've, they've always been a pretty good program. Like they, they've never, I, that I can remember as long as I've been following Gonzaga, have almost always finished in the top half of the conference, if not top four, you know, top four or five right in there throughout their time. And now they're they're really kind of about to turn that next step. And I'm really excited to see if that happens. I'd, I'd love to see four. Four would be great. Obviously, it would be a huge boost for the conference. It would temporarily quiet a lot of naysayers about uh, the WCC in general. But but if we don't get four, if we don't get four, I would take three if San Francisco is one of them. I would be disappointed, uh, and it wouldn't be anybody's, you know, it wouldn't be St. Mary's or BYU's fault, but I'd be disappointed if those are the three that get in and San Francisco doesn't find their way in. This is a team that has a huge test coming up on Thursday, and I'm kind of springing this one on you, Tuck, but I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that game in particular, or at least what San Francisco kind of needs to do to keep themselves in the NCAA tournament conversation. Yeah, um, Honestly, spicy cake. I think San Francisco has a better shot of getting in the tournament, maybe than BYU at this mm-hmm. point, considering the way that BYU is like trajecting at this yeah. point. But yeah, Loyal Chicago is going to be a real tough ask just mm-hmm. because of the team's the team's size. Yeah. Um, uh, they, nobody's you know has the size of uh, Masalaki, but basically, uh, Chicago's got you know a solid group of guys that, mm-hmm. that are all long. Uh, they're not the defensive team that they were last year, partly because Porter Moser's gone and uh, uh, Drew Valentine's stepped in. But, um, yeah, I, I think that the guard play is going to be huge. I think if uh, Jamari Bouye and uh, Shabazz can, mm-hmm. can get it together and, and score, I think that there's a legit shot. San Francisco 
has a great defense. I think yeah. that's the thing that slept on the most when we're talking about that team. Yeah, Stefanini, uh, Shabazz, and uh, Bouye have been great, but legitimately, um, that defense is great on the three-point line, but especially inside. Yeah. Todd Goldman, he knows what he is doing as the head coach of that team. Um, I want to go through a couple categories, kind of the the end of the non-conference season awards, I suppose, for the WCC. Again, something that uh, should have happened a few weeks ago, but we still haven't gotten into conference play yet for basically everybody in the conference, which is unfortunate. Um, first category is the biggest surprise team. Uh, I'm curious if you have a thought. I know San Francisco's a, a fairly uh, logical choice there, but if there's anybody else, or if it's the Dons, that's fine too for the biggest surprise team so far this year yeah i would i would go with san francisco because yeah. i thought they were gonna be good but not mm-hmm. necessarily that good yeah. i thought they'd be the fourth or 15 looking yeah. looking at the tournament yeah but as as like legitimately i think they could finish second in this conference yeah. i i think that you know in the upper middle of this conference it's going to be a pretty big pretty big, big mud fight mm-hmm. kind of thing um but yeah, I would say I would say San Francisco, and then I've been super impressed with the Santa Clara Broncos. Yeah, just considering how much they've like been able to like weather the storm with as many guys as they've dealt with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm concerned about PJ Pipes missing two games, yeah. his last two games, and I uh, haven't really found out a lot about why that's the case. I know mm-hmm. you know it could be anything, especially with these COVID positives. Sure, but I mean Jalen Jalen Williams has been phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, as as a as a guard. He's He's averaging well over 20 points. He's mm-hmm. he's doing everything you need, especially as a primary scorer with Broncic out. Now that Broncic is back and he's getting a game shape, I think legitimately they're going to surprise some people and, and, and crawl up above some uh, popular names. Yeah. So I, I, I also put my own uh, uh, teams or players under these categories as well. Uh, for this one, I put a second one because I figured we'd talk about San Francisco. The one that I picked was Portland. Uh, not because Portland's been extraordinarily good, but because 9-6 and six in the non-conference is really good for them considering what the Terry Porter era looked like. Uh, Coach Shante Leggins, this is a team that has literally... 14 new players on the roster. They did not bring anybody back who was on scholarship last year. Completely new roster. I don't care that they have not played really any good teams in the non-conference. The fact that they have won more games than they have lost is impressive enough for me. I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't think this team is going to be challenging for a top three spot in the conference anytime soon. But if they're at least challenging for like fifth or sixth uh, in a couple of years, that's a big win for the pilots. That's a big win for their fans. That's a big win for Shantae Leggins, who I think is going to be a good coach. So I've been, uh, they're, they're not one of the teams that gets discussed when we talk about how the WCC is resurging, uh, but it's been nice to see them have a little bit better of a season. Yeah, Shantae's been, been incredible. I think he's probably one of the best coaches or most exciting coaches in the WCC for me. Yep. I, I, been, I was super impressed with his job at Eastern, and you, you know he didn't mm-hmm. have a scholarship guy left on that roster. Yep. And for him to bring it together with Chris Austin and Tyler Robertson has been huge. Yeah. Next up, I want to talk about biggest disappointments. Uh, there haven't been a ton of teams that have really underperformed uh, this year, but I'm curious if there's any teams that you thought maybe would be a little bit better than they have been this year. <laughs> Well, um, as uh, the resident uh, major hype man for the Loyal America uh, Lions, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I can't help but feel a, a little pain throughout this season seeing yeah. what, what they've been going through. Yeah, they have the pieces. Um, legitimately, Quintana is a good piece. Mm-hmm. Eli Scott is mini Draymond Green. Yeah. We have, we have plenty of guys, but 
You know, it's it's hard to win when your best player is turning the ball over. Uh, he's at the he's at the point right now. Eli Scott is turning the ball over four point six times per game, while averaging fifteen point six points and being the highest usage guy. Uh, it's it's got to be just a, a complete headache for that team. Yeah, uh, LMU is the team that I had as on this list as well. I'm not surprised. Um, I did put in my notes. I mentioned BYU a little bit. Not that they have been disappointing, but they're on a. As you mentioned earlier, you you put it well. They're on a kind of a negative trajectory, unfortunately, because of injuries to to Gavin Baxter and the Richard Harward situation. But uh, they're still top 35 team on offense and defense according to Ken Palm. So they're not bad. I think that's about where people expected them to be. They're still there, but I'm concerned with the loss to Vanderbilt, the narrow win over Liberty. Like, I don't think this team is trending in the right direction. Hopefully they can right the ship. They're well coached, obviously, but it would be a bummer to to see the rest of the conference kind of keep going upwards and BYU go backwards because that kind of hurts the legitimacy of the conference a little bit. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough pill for that team because they were, they were absolutely looking like a top 20 team, possibly mm-hmm. top 15 team before injuries started piling up and i'm just a little concerned about concerning the amount of effort that those wings are going to do yeah speaking of gideon george and said goodnight yeah. especially the workload that killed wonder is going to have mm-hmm. who's going to be the offensive threat after alex barcello i don't i don't know if there's a clear answer right now yeah and that's been like very much a tough thing for them to figure out next up biggest surprise player uh do you have anybody in mind for that yeah i i would go with i would go with jail williams he's been Unbelievable! I I thought he was going to take another big step, um, mm-hmm. but he's just been prove, proving himself through and through. Uh, he's he's basically just being an incredibly effective shooter while also distributing the ball and taking care taking care of the basketball has been a huge thing. PJ Pipes hasn't you know has been inconsistent. That's a, possibly a big reason why he's mm-hmm. been sitting out. But I think I think. You can't ask for a better running mate with uh, Joseph Ronkish than uh, Jalen Williams at this point. That, this is one of the only categories I didn't have a backup, and my only one was Jalen Williams. So I, we're in agreement there. He's been phenomenal for the Broncos this year. Uh, next up was the biggest disappointment. I felt bad about this because the play, we'll, we'll talk about who I picked in a second. Um, but, you know, it's you never want to talk about players who are underperforming. But is there anybody that kind of stood out to you? Um. So I've been really intrigued by what's going on with St. Mary's in terms of Tommy Cuse yeah. coming off the bench, mm-hmm. and I'm not really sure what's going on there. Um, I know that St. Mary's isn't necessarily a potent offense, but yeah. I was definitely expecting them to turn it on a little bit more than they had. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I feel like when you have a senior comeback for that additional year, yeah. You would, you would expect another step, and, and we just had And it's been such a common thing in Randy Bennett's era. You look at guys like Jordan Ford and, and Nar, Emmett Nar, and those guys. Like They come back and have these really excellent senior years, and I think perhaps there was almost undue expectation on Kusi because of that. But uh, I, he hasn't been that bad necessarily, but yeah, I, I, I definitely expected more. Um, he's not the player that I put down. I did put down Loner, who we've talked about a handful of times. I'm not defensively. He's been very good on that end of the floor. He's a great rebounder. I think you're right that BYU is now forced to kind of 
maybe maybe play him out of position or figure out a different way to to utilize him. But he's he's shot the rock really poorly this year. He's under forty percent from the field, sixty one percent from the line, nine percent from three, which wasn't exactly going to be a big part of his game. But I mean, it's non existent at this point right now, and and I think you know. It's unfair that he's being asked to do more than he was probably going to be asked to do, but I did expect him to have more of an impact this year, at least offensively, than he has so far. Yeah, that that, that was a guy that was expected to be, you know, a, a first team WCC yeah. player candidate, mm-hmm. and and yeah, we had not seen that so far this season. No, he hasn't been that guy yet. All right, that's a nice recap for the non-conference for the WCC. Tuck, I appreciate you uh, offering some insight onto some of these teams uh, that are not just Gonzaga. Uh, In the third segment, we're going to come back. We're going to make some predictions for how the WCC conference uh, season is going to go, talk a little bit about the future of the conference in general. Before we get there, though, let's talk about NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system out there to power your company's growth. With visibility and control of your finances, inventory, HR needs, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow as a company all in one convenient location. 93% of businesses surveyed increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa. Head to netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa for special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still joined by Tuck Ferry of Slipper Still Fits and Busting Brackets, and we're still chatting WCC. It's Wednesday after all, so WCC Wednesday rolls on, even if we have not had a men's basketball WCC game in a long time, unfortunately. It's been a great year for the conference up to this point, hopefully that continues, Tuck. I wanted to ask you, uh, it's a really tough year to predict anything, unfortunately, just because we don't know how many games are going to happen. We don't know if, you know, if Gonzaga is going to play San Francisco twice, just how it's going to shake out, uh, how it could impact March. But I am curious, we talked about it a little bit up here uh, in the second segment, but I'm curious if you think that there is a realistic chance for a four-bid WCC, if you're more likely to think it's three, or maybe what, what things might need, like basically does Gonzaga need to lose uh, multiple games for there to be four teams in the WCC, or do you think it's possible without that happening? Yeah, I think if you want Gonzaga to be a one seed, I don't think you're going to get four teams into this tournament. Um, Just looking at it, ultimately, I think BYU is going to keep struggling, and they're going to drop a couple games against some teams they shouldn't drop drop Mm -hmm. games to, legitimately. Um, I think... I, I like San Francisco's odds. I think St. Mary's is going to continue playing their South basketball exquisitely, mm-hmm. get get to where they need to be. I don't think St. Mary's – I honestly like San Francisco's chances better than St. Mary's at this point. Mm-hmm. But I think looking at this conference, the Santa Clara Broncos are going to steal some games yep. that if you want four teams in the conference, you don't want them to steal. Right. I think they could legitimately beat BYU twice, mm-hmm. I think that they could steal a game from St. Mary's. I think if you want four teams, you got to be okay with Santa Clara beating Gonzaga at this point because yeah. I don't 
think BYU has the means to get it done right now at this point. Um, now, is that the thing that Gonzaga fans want? Probably right. not. Yeah. So I think three teams is great. You know, yeah. the ACC is probably only going to get three teams. Right. So, you know, former San Francisco Don Kyle Smith's mm-hmm. uh, little experiment at WCU right now, that's reaching tough waters. So. Yeah. I think Pac-12 might be a three-conference team, barring yeah. uh, WC putting it together and, and the like. So, yeah. you know, I think three teams is great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stoked on three teams, especially that third team is San Francisco. That means that the conference is getting better. The conference legitimately is getting better. You were t- we were speaking about Portland earlier, and Portland mm-hmm. has, has elevated themselves to be mm-hmm. substantially better than last year. And, you know, I... I what a parting gift to BYU at this point to, to see basically San Francisco, Santa Clara uh, mm-hmm. uh, step it up and, and surpass them. It would be it would be wonderful. Like I'm not I'm not a BYU hater the way that a lot of people are BYU haters. I understand it if you are for the record. I get that. <laughs> but if 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 the WCC puts Gonzaga, St. Mary's, San Francisco in the NCAA tournament and not BYU, that would be. Very poetic in a lot of ways, I think, as a team that came to this conference with the expectation that they would, you know, get a lot of automatic bids. They have gotten zero automatic bids to the NCAA tournament. They have made the tournament multiple times, but if they were to miss it in a year where the WCC was finally really showing themselves as a legitimate basketball conference just in time for them to leave, it would be it would be kind of poetic. I can't I can't uh, I can't argue against that. I, I think you brought up a really good point. I hadn't thought necessarily about this matchup all that much, but I'm going to watch both BYU Santa Clara games as closely as I possibly can because I think that's a really interesting matchup. Jalen Williams is tough for anybody. Vrankic, if he's healthy, gives them a ton of issues with the size disadvantage that they have right now. Uh, that is a, a realistic matchup that could result in two losses for the Cougars, which isn't necessarily great news if Santa Clara doesn't do enough to actually make the NCAA tournament. But like I said, I'll settle for three, especially if one of them is not BYU. <laughs> on the order or the team sure. but legitimately I think Santa Clara is going to upset mm-hmm. you know BYU put a fight in with St. Mary's and San Francisco and unfortunately the Broncos didn't have the non-conference slate yeah. to really make up for the absence of Broncos so yeah um, so yeah. last last question I want to ask you Tuck before I let you go um, I, I, the WCC this is probably the best season we've had seen them have and obviously we're, we're only halfway through the season so you know knock on wood on that it continues but this is a really good step in terms of getting them on the map, but they need to find a way to remain on that map. Uh, it's pretty easy for people to forget about this. Obviously, like one of the things that has made Gonzaga so special is they made this fun little run in 1999, and they parlayed that into 22 consecutive years of success. That is an extreme anomaly. We know that. That's why they're so special. But we've seen plenty of other teams and even conferences kind of make a run, have some success, and have seen it kind of fall apart. It doesn't last very long. Are there ways or things that you think that some of these schools in the WCC in particular, uh, or even just the conference at large, can do to maybe try to remain relevant longer than just kind of a flash in the pan for this kind of weird COVID season? You know, I think uh, if they keep on investing in the type of players that they've been investing in, I think, mm-hmm. you know, the WCC crushed it in the transfer portal. If yeah. they continue doing that, I think good things are ahead. I. Losing BYU is going to be a major hit. Yeah. Um, but I think 
as long as as long as the schools keep on investing in their programs, so that's been the main concern really mm-hmm. for every for Mark Few and company is staying with the conferences. Let's see let's see where those investments are. Um, but you know, I think. I think we could legitimately see a, a wild run for San Francisco in the tournament. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Great defense and guard play that's going to that's going to you know do do some big things for that program. So I'm looking forward to that. I, I would love San Francisco to be back on the map. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have a, a great St. Mary St. Mary team in, in the tournament and a solid San Francisco, that West Coast basketball is going to stick around. And you know, mm-hmm. California recruits are the are the the diamond in the eye for a lot of teams. Yeah, absolutely. I I think uh, for San Francisco, when when I'm looking at filling out brackets, if I'm really undecided between two teams, one of the things I look at is like veteran guard play because it so often is critical in the NCAA tournament. And obviously with San Francisco, uh, their guards haven't have a lot of NCAA tournament experience, but they have their, you know, they've been around for a while. They're really, really talented. I think that that's a team that I could absolutely see making some noise and, and finding themselves in the sweet 16. St. Mary's is the kind of team that can lose to just about anybody, but they could also beat just about anybody that's been their tenure under Randy Bennett. It would be really frustrating as a fan, I think, but I can understand why, like seeing them, you know, I mean, they beat the tar out of Gonzaga a handful of times. Not a lot of teams have done that. And Randy Bennett and St. Mary's have done that, but they've also lost some really embarrassing games. So it'll be interesting to see what they're able to bring to the NCAA tournament because it would never shock me if they make a run to the Sweet 16 or even the Elite Eight. But we'll kind of have to see where they end up. For me, I think the last thing that is critical for the WCC that they haven't been great at lately is retaining good quality coaches. And that's something that has been so difficult because the coaching carousel in college basketball is just constantly churning. And, you know, we talked about Kyle Smith, who was a good coach at San Francisco, took that job at Washington State. Can't really blame him for that. They're having more success. Like you said, they're kind of on the border of whether they're going to be an NCAA tournament team or not. San Francisco got was very fortunate that Todd Golden was there and available to take over because he's a phenomenal coach. But, you know, what if he gets, you know, what if Cal comes calling? You know, what if Stanford comes calling? Like, that, that's very reasonable that those things happen. And, and so that's the biggest thing for me. And it's obviously a big part of Gonzaga's story is Mark Few sticking around for so long. It's a big part of St. Mary's story is Randy Bennett being there for a decade. Uh, and I think it would be nice, <laughs> it would be great if we could see one or two more coaches willing to really invest in sticking with the program in the WCC because as long as they keep churning out, uh, it's kind of, it's a little bit easier for those programs to fade back into mediocrity. Yeah, absolutely. Tuck, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. Your expertise in the WCC is very helpful because we don't have a lot of actual gameplay to talk about, but we have some other stuff we can still talk about. Uh, Locked on Zag is going to have another guest tomorrow. Uh, Andy Locks taking place on Friday. So we still got our normal routine coming up all right here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Thank you again for making this show your first listen of the day. For those of you who want to make another show your second listen of the day, you can check out the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.